calling all consumer goods, business owners, and marketing professionals. Does planning content ahead of time stress you out? Do you want to run Instagram and Facebook ads, but just aren't sure where to start? If your answer is yes and yes, then our mini course was made for you. It's 100% free and packed with essential tactics that you can implement as soon as today. To join in, visit our website at umaimarketing.com slash mini course. All right, let's get on with the pod. Welcome to the Umai Social Circle, where we talk consumer goods marketing tips to help business owners and marketers grow. We're Allison and Karen, co-founders of Umai, and today we are being joined by photographer, food stylist, and educator, Ashley Amoroso. So she's led and worked on beautiful campaigns for Target, Patron, Vitamix, Tillamook, Noosa, and that's just to name a few. So Ashley, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. Of course. Well, we'd love to just dive right in and learn how you got into the world of photography. Yeah, so it was kind of in a roundabout way, to be honest, which is kind of how I feel like everyone lands in some creative field. But I did not go to school for it or anything. I never really considered it to be a possibility as like a full-time job. So I just kind of learned photography alongside um like I apprenticed for a wedding photographer when I was in college and really just learned the technical stuff. And then I knew I wanted to do that, but I didn't know what that looked like. And I knew I didn't want to do weddings. So um, after I moved to Austin, I had a friend who was here who was, she has a like a food blog and she's very well connected in the industry. And she was like, Hey, you do photography. Can you do this ebook that I want to do? And, you know, take pictures of the food for the blog. And I was like, sure. So I tried it. I was horrible at it, but I really loved it. And so, um, that was in 2008 and I've been really interested in growing and doing it ever since. What do you mean you're horrible at it? (laughs) Yeah, I was going to (laughs) say. So horrible. Like, you know, when Instagram first came out and everyone takes pictures of their food and like puts filters on them and they're like, it's not good. (laughs) Yeah. It was like that. It was like real, like I go back and look and like the photos are like kind of green. They were, they had like a Instagram filter on them. It's like, is that macaroni and cheese? I don't really know. Like, it's just, it wasn't good. (laughs) Oh my gosh. The shame uh, of scrolling to the very beginning of Instagram and seeing like the Valencia pics and just like (laughs) all of the photos that we thought were like, Ooh, yeah, this is art. Totally. Yeah. Very, very abstract avant-garde start Mm -hmm. to my food photography journey. (laughs) That's awesome. So how did you like, I know that you also have super established Instagram feeds, like Instagram profiles. Did that come after you really got started in food photography or is that like right alongside? Yeah, that actually came much later. And that was kind of a, just a weird little kickstart blessing, to be honest. Um, when I started doing the food photography with my friend, uh, who I was telling you about for the eBooks earlier, um, I realized that I love taking the pictures, but I just didn't have a good grasp of the business side, um, that I needed to understand. I didn't know how to do my taxes. I didn't know how to, you know what I mean? Like I just really, client communication, setting expectations, like all of those things, I just really did not understand very well. So that part took the fun out of it for me. So I actually went and 
worked for Apple at their corporate offices for a few years. And I was with their executive relations team. I had an amazing boss, an amazing team I worked with. And I learned so much because, you know, essentially my job there was communicating with internal business partners and doing all of those things that I didn't know how to do before. So that helped me tremendously. And my boss was so super supportive. So, um, when I, when I told them I was considering doing this full time, um, my husband was very supportive and said, okay, let's, let's, you know, make it work. And then my boss said the same thing. So I then left, uh, Apple and started doing this full time. So I had kind of like a, (laughs) a weird roundabout way of getting here, but I'm so thankful that it went that way because I needed to learn the stuff I needed to learn from the corporate setting. And you were just doing photography on the side as mm-hmm. when you're at Apple. Yeah. Yeah. What a big leap of faith. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it worked out. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think this is like the hottest question. We would love to know, like, what's your go-to tools, props, et cetera. What is every photographer, aspiring photographer need? Let's see. I guess in regards to like an aspiring food photographer, I would say really the the best place to start for props is just a defined style. Um, and, And the best way to really kind of do that if you're not really sure where to start is to just spend some time like on Pinterest, you know, pin the images that you love that kind of speak to you. Um, and you'll start to see kind of a style come together and then without copying, but, you know, practice those styles, practice finding out, you know, what are they doing in their lighting in those situations? What colors are they using? Are they using hard light, which is probably a flash? Or are they using like soft, um, you know, muted, diffused light? Those kinds of things will point you in a direction to give you the kind of props that you're going to want. So for that, I would say like a diffuser, you know, like you need a sheer window curtain. You really don't need a ton, to be honest. Um, a seamless is always a good thing to have whatever color. I mean, white is kind of a go-to, but, um, so a seamless would be like a backdrop that goes into like, yeah, it's almost like a waterfall kind of effect, you know? Yeah. Um, seamless are always super helpful. And one other thing I would say would be just a really great textured, like either table or backdrop that you make, which could be like out of plywood or contact paper or something like that. Um, and then depending on what you're trying to take a picture of, you can use that as your background. Typically texture can be missing from a lot of photos. So that's something I like to incorporate in my backdrops. Ooh, cool. I like that. Yeah. I know like, I feel like anything can be used as a surface. I know our in-house photographer she'll just like go to the tile shops and get like leftovers. And I think that's, I mean, it looks gorgeous in the photos. It's, it's yeah. Cool. And you have no idea what you're looking at. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's zoomed in. It's probably totally. like a mess. Yeah. It's Very so cool. great. I, when I first started, I used to use this, um, first of all, money was tight. <laughs> so I was trying to get really crafty with these surfaces because you can spend tons of money on this They're stuff. Expensive. So, yeah. <laughs> I went to Ikea and I bought like the desk tops and I would paint them or I would sand them and like rough them up. And then the one that I still have that I use all the time is this matte blackout shade in black. 
and I use it like as a, just a backdrop in a, in a scene so many times because it's like, it's just this perfect mat. There's no reflection. And it was like $30. (laughs) It's like my favorite thing I have. (laughs) Oh, I love it. Yeah. And I, I really like the note for, for, to first and foremost, define your style because I feel like so many times we'll be talking to a business owner who's like, oh, I really like this and I really like this. And one is just like a major studio shot with like a really strong flash. And one is just like that, like an outside ethereal with like shadows. And sometimes it's really hard to put those two together. So yeah. defining your style. I love it. Cool. So what are some of like your favorite campaigns that you've worked on so far and what made them your favorite? Oh my gosh. That's such a, a nice question. Um, I, a couple of years ago, I worked on a cookbook for about three months in Los Cabos at one, the one and only Palmia resort, which was ridiculous. That was, I was every day I was like, what am I doing here? <laughs> um, and I worked with this brilliant chef and this amazing team and, oh my gosh, we were just right on the beach. It was wonderful. That one was a favorite. Um, I worked on a campaign with Delta where we went to Tokyo. What? (laughs) That was crazy. (laughs) Um, They were launching this. um, And you know what? I don't even think they do it anymore because of COVID. But they launched a direct flight from Detroit to Tokyo. And so they brought me on the inaugural flight to capture the food and the drinks. And like they had this like fancy new first class. So and then I got to hang out in Tokyo for a week. It was crazy. Um, Those don't seem like jobs. <laughs> I know. It was so wild. I was like, any minute somebody's going to figure out that like they asked the wrong person to come. <laughs> <laughs> what else? Let's see. Oh, when Camille Stiles, who's a, a local blogger um, here in Austin. Actually, I shouldn't even call her a blogger. She's an author, an entertain entertainment, like guru. Um, she's totally brilliant when she signed her campaign with target. So she's one of their like partners. She brought me with her to LA, which was so fun. And I, and I shot that partnership and I've done several campaigns with them since. And Camille is just so fun to work with because she completely has a very defined brand. Her team runs like a well-oiled wheel. Everyone has a direction and everybody knows what they're doing. So I love working with them. And I guess lastly, nobody really, I haven't really told this one yet because I I haven't been able to, but most recently I've been working with um, Joanna Gaines for her show Magnolia Table and photographing the food and um, her for that. So I'm really excited to see that. Wow. That is so exciting. (laughs) We we named a few brands and campaigns and had no idea that those were like the the peanuts. I'm in like the wrong profession. Dang. (laughs) (laughs) That is amazing. Very cool. Um, I'm from Waco, so Joanna Gaines. (gasps) Shut up! You are. Oh my gosh, Waco is so cute. It's popping. It was not popping when I lived there. It's because of Joanna Gaines. Like it's totally different. Totally transformed. They own that town. It is yeah. amazing. It's they amazing. Literally do. Yeah. Um, wow. Thank you for sharing all that. That's amazing. Um, so one thing we wanted to ask 
you is because I, I do think that you're like you were saying, your style is really defined and you come with like the dark textures and a lot of shadows that we see a lot. And compared to everyone else who's like light and bright constantly, I think it's really cool to see. So we wanted to ask you, are you trying to evoke like emotions or like, how do you think about um, what you're trying to portray when you're shooting? So like those images that you're talking about are really probably my, either they're jobs that I've been given complete creative freedom or they're personal shoots. Um, and I just, I just love those because I like to think of when I, when I'm just creating stuff for myself, I like to just make up an entire story <laughs> in my mind about like where the scene is taking place, probably somewhere in the French countryside, <laughs> you know, like there's, you know, this smell, like I make up an entire story in my mind. So and it's cool. So easy for me to style the scene and to let everything unfold because I have like a really clear, you know, snapshot in time of where this is all taking place. So yeah, I want it to be calming, but I also want it to be undefined. I love capturing like a moment where it's easier for you to look at the photo, you know, like someone pouring or moving or whatever, so that it's easy for you to look at the photo and just be able to envision what's happening next. Oh, that's really awesome. And when you say, when you say this, like you're really telling the story of it. And when you said the French countryside, I love Jamie Beck as well. If you know who that is, yeah. it's all, it's all a story. It's all yeah. the French countryside. And I feel that way. And I've always been drawn to your photography as well, where it's so put together and like the, it's, well thought out and it looks different than the massly produced things we see. So when you would, if somebody was trying to do like an at-home photo shoot, is that kind of the advice you would give them? Like set the scene, know what's taken place at the beginning to the end. Totally. Yeah, totally. I, when I, I mean, I haven't really been teaching the workshops as much since COVID, but when I was doing those more frequently, that's exactly how I would tell my students to set up a scene. I would have them go on Pinterest, create a mood board, you know, like essentially walk them through like a client interaction. What is the story you're trying to tell? Where are you? What does it smell like? What do you see? What do you feel you know, clearly define all those things. And then everything else just comes in really easily. Such good advice. That's awesome. That's something I've never done. And it's just a hobby of photography. So I think really like honing in on like, what am I trying to do here? Not yeah. just like what's pleasing to my eyeballs. I think that's awesome. <laughs> well, that works too. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. a little bit more strategy. I can dig it. <laughs> so what are some more, I mean, give us more tips and advice so that these small or extra small CPG brands like can create better content? Yeah. So, um, oh my gosh, I was so scrappy in the beginning. I've got lots of these. Um, and I actually still use a lot of them because now that I've figured out a way to do things in like a hack way, which I don't know, it's not always great, but sometimes it's great. Go to, or for, well, for CPG brands, like if, if they're wanting to create their own content in the beginning for, you know, budget reasons, the best thing they could do. I mean, I'm like, they're going to hate me. I'm like driving at home, define your style, do some brand colors, um, you know, find a color palette, create a mission, define your perspective, create a mood board, because a lot of people 
it's easier for them to speak visually than it is to explain verbally. I'm sure you guys encounter this all the time too, but you know, when a client comes to me, we like the first thing we do is work together to create a mood board so that I understand what they want, because sometimes it's very different than what they tell me they want. Um, so for the CPG brands, create a mood board based upon what you're trying to capture and then invest in a few small things, you know, like the surfaces, I would recommend looking at, I mean, Facebook marketplace is a treasure trove. Um, <laughs> don't be too good for goodwill. I still find really cool stuff there. Contact paper on Amazon. <laughs> Seriously, it's so cheap and you can get like stuff that looks very textural and it's really, really cheap. Um, let me see where, oh, and you know what else is a good thing is, I mean, depending on what you're trying to share, but like for food, for me, I, and I still do this, I contact local ceramicists. We work out trades, um, you know, let me borrow your ceramics for the shoot. I'll provide you imagery that you can use for your social media. Um, oh, what a great idea. That's yeah, cool. I mean, work local where you can build those relationships because those people are in your industry too. So, you know, when somebody's going to come to them, I mean, whoever's buying from them is look is in food or looking at food or loves food because they're spending that kind of money. So then they're going to have your name. So, uh, you know, anything in that realm, I would, I would look out for making connections with people who are in that industry, even distantly in the industry and everything is negotiable. Everything can be traded. It does not have to, you know, you don't have to spend $400 on a surface and then be stuck to that forever. There's mm -hmm. literally the driveway is sometimes really good. Right. Right. <laughs> Um, that's such a good tip. The making connections. How cool is that? And then you're sharing assets and tagging each other and just totally. like getting the word out. Um, but I have to ask how important is the camera? Can it be an iPhone? Totally. Oh okay. my God, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. iPhones are freaking amazing now. Honestly, <laughs> the video capabilities are bananas too, but 100% it could be an iPhone. And first of all, no one would ever even have to know, especially now that there's COVID because you can work with clients without ever meeting them. <laughs> you know, um, you can take a really good high quality image on an iPhone and make it really beautiful. It's funny. I have, when I was doing the workshops, I used to, I used to show my, my students the photo, I would take it on the iPhone just so that they knew it's not, it's really not about the camera. It's everything else. Yeah. That's, that's great to know. And so when you say like everything else, when you're talking about like the composition, um, like is more always better or like, how would you advise people setting a scene for the first time? You know, I would say, I think people's biggest mistakes with setting a scene is incorporating things that don't make sense in the scene. Um, and so I, I'm hesitant to answer about more or less and, and really just say, make sure it's relevant to what's happening in the picture. Um, you know, don't have a spatula next to you know, a cupcake or, or, well, no, that would make sense, but don't have like, you know, <laughs> totally olive oil sitting in the picture with your cupcakes. And it's like, doesn't make sense at all, but it looks pretty. So you think, you know, so mm -hmm. I see a lot of people making that mistake. So as long as it, it tells the story or it works for the scene. Yeah. More or less do it. Yeah. So you started offering courses 
So what, what's going on with that? Are you still doing it? (laughs) Oh my gosh. So uh, yeah, I, I have a lot of big lofty ideas. Um, I have a friend who is actually going to help me bring these back out this year. Um, and we're going to do them in videos. So now that I have the studio, we're probably going to start filming that in a couple of months. So I've been doing the in-person or virtual workshops, which is really either one-on-one or, or in a group setting for a few years. And I, I love doing them, but I was doing them in a way where they were very tailored to the individual who was attending the workshop. And I started to see that that was really just taking up too much time to do it that way. And so I needed a more general format that could reach a lot more people. So we're kind of transitioning now into something where it's almost like an, it'll be like an a la carte kind of thing. They can buy whatever, you know, if they want to know about the technical stuff, if they want to know about the business side, if they want to know about styling, that way people can come for what they need. And I'm not, because I'm such a perfectionist and I want to spend so much time, I'm not spinning my wheels, you know, creating this like very specialized course for each person. Yeah. When are those set to launch? <laughs> I'd love to know. <laughs> Let me know. We'll follow up. Uh, we'll follow up with that question. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a uh, that's a great call. I mean, shoot, I would love to learn more about that and take care. I know. Of that, so. Like, can I take the course? <laughs> yeah. What? And when you're when we're talking about the business side too, like, what can brands who do have the budget opening up to hire somebody like you? Like, what can they expect? when they hire you on? That's a great question. Um, I would say they should maybe enter with trust. Yeah, good note for anybody working with like a creative (laughs) in general. I love that. Well, and you know what? This is very specific to a brand who is for the first time able to you know, allocate a budget for something like this, which is going to be expensive. It's going to feel like a lot of pressure. It's going, you know, it's, it's a big deal. And I go into those situations with a very good understanding of that. This is a big deal. Their expectations are huge. Um, And so it's hard for them to enter into the kind of partnership with me, a stranger and, you know, not want to micromanage that situation. So what we did was you know, a lot of people don't come to me, like I said, with, and to you guys too, I'm sure with like a clear vision. So we, we essentially speak visually. We have them create a mood board. Um, If they don't already have a really clear defined brand, which I want to be, I want to clarify, you don't have to come to me with that. Um, We can get you there. But I, we, we walk through a process together where before the day of the shoot, you, there is zero ambiguity. You know, everything that we're doing, you know, what you're going to get, everything is very clear and you can kind of sit back and relax. And, and then what I end up trying to do is over deliver in those situations, because I have a very clear definition of what they're looking for. So, you know, I know it's hard, but come in with trust. (laughs) Yeah, that's great. Great advice. But when it comes to like even the smaller stuff, like if it's a food and beverage brand, like do they need to come in with like the supplies and do they need to have like a chef with you cooking or like 
how does, how does that look? So it kind of depends. I have a really awesome team with me now that I've worked on several shoots. Um, I've got a food stylist. I have a videographer. I have a wonderful chef myself and my assistant do a lot of the prop styling just because we enjoy it, but I also have a prop styling partner. So when they come to me, we can kind of off, like, that's one of the initial questions that we'll ask, like, have you identified without trying to overwhelm them really, but like, have you identified a prop, you know, prop situation? Uh, do you have samples? If you're a new company, are you able to get them? Can you ensure shipping? Like we kind of make sure that we run through all of that stuff first. And then if they say no, you know, I send them over information for all of my people and offer to do a full production for them and just, you know, take care of everything. So they can be as involved as they want or, you know, not, and they can really just sit behind their computer and say, yes, no, yes, no. Mm -hmm. One-stop shop. And that makes it so much easier for brands around the nation to work with you, especially when they can just like fill out that mood board, show you what they are inspired by, what they're aspiring to be like. Totally. It's great. So how difficult is it as a photographer to blend like your aesthetic with the client's like aesthetic expectations, et cetera? So, you know, I like this question because a lot of the work that I share is work that either is emotionally or personally me. However, a lot of the work that I do, I don't, I don't bring that vision in. I really, I have a, a, a very defined technical skill. And while I do appreciate, you know, a certain style of things myself, I only bring them in when they're necessary. Like a lot of places, um, brands contact me for things that are different than what you see on my um, page. They want the bright, they want the white, they want the cutout, they want the hard light, you know, like they want something totally different. So I want, I want to be a chameleon to be able to do those things because I want to work. So mm-hmm. when appropriate, you know, I make suggestions that I, I think would work, but sometimes my personal aesthetic doesn't work for the brand I'm working with. And I like the challenge of trying to, you know, evoke the message that they're trying to say. I like that you said, I mean, you just have to be a chameleon and be like a blank slate coming in. Yeah. I think that's such a good note for business owners because a lot of times things that we see with creatives is that they do bring their look and feel and aesthetic a little bit too much where kind of all looks the same, you know, and you can't really tell what brand that is because it looks like that brand. So um, super respectable. So when you think of a like consumer packaged good brand that you would have like a dream collaboration with a dream client, who would they be? Oh my God. Okay. This, this one is tough because I mean, to be honest, like every client that comes to me is a dream client. Cause it's like another day that I'm working. Like I, <laughs> every email makes me excited, small company, big company, like every single one. So, I mean, I feel like I've worked with my dream clients. I feel like I am working with my dream clients. I'm every day, you know, I get an email with a new client. It it is my dream client. (laughs) Yeah. That's amazing. Even if they can't fly to Tokyo or Cabo, (laughs) still a cool client. Those were exceptional. That's like (laughs) not realistic. I know. All I can think is like, I'm on, you're, you're photographing on a plane and I'm such a novice, um, but 
it's like, man, the pressure of that. Oh my gosh. The, and it was so weird for the, the people flying because they were yeah. like, this is girl doing. I'm like, hi, can you hold your champagne into the light? They're like, who are you? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm going to Tokyo, just come on. <laughs> I want to see these photos. That's awesome. I know, me too. We actually, they were put to, so they had a whole team that was doing like a social media kind of campaign and they ended up creating a whole video. I'll send it to you guys. It was really cool. That's awesome. And I also love how you've worked with like super and are working with really powerful women in Texas too. It's just like, wow. That's your dream come true too. And also commercial photography is only 9% women which is garbage. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I feel really fortunate to be somehow a part of that, but I mean, that our in, that industry, those people hiring, those agents, those people with the, you know, the ability to make those hires really need to be paying attention to the women photographers. There are so there's just so much talent. It's crazy. It's crazy that there are not more women. So, whenever I am hired, in specifically a women-owned business or, uh, you know, women of power position, I'm like beside myself, you know, because that's, that's what I want to be doing. That's where I want to be. (laughs) Yeah. How are you making these connections to these people? (laughs) (laughs) Um, okay. So, oh, uh, you asked me this earlier and I probably just didn't answer it, but a kind of Instagram whenever, um, I left Apple. I started really focusing on the Instagram and this was back in like 2015 because it was at that time and even kind of still now, Instagram is the best way to connect with people about your craft. I mean, before that you had Facebook, but Facebook was more of like a personal platform and food photographers before that had, you know, books that agents would take around to other agencies and and pitch you. So Unless you were like in New York or LA, you know, who's going to see your food photography, hence the rise of Instagram. So then what happened was people realized that they could find talent in other places other than New York and LA, and they could find, you know, new talent, talent that didn't have to operate on a $30,000 budget. Um, And so that just kind of opened a ton of doors. And I think what happened was I got put on a bunch of agency rosters and, you know, if, if I'm not with the agency, they'll recommend me either for local reasons or because someone has worked with me before. And I, I, that's how a lot of stuff comes to me, to be honest. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, that's how I was led to you. I have been fangirl moment. I have been following you for a very, very long time. And I end up unfollowing a ton of people. Like I don't do a lot of personal social because my job is social. I want yeah. to be on it as little as possible. Um, so I would absolutely follow Ashley. She has two really amazing accounts. And I think it's, it, it does tell a story the way you post, the way you do everything on social. So uh, I think that's thanks. wonderful. Yeah. And speaking of that, you just, ha- you just bought, you just rent, started renting a studio space downtown. Tell us about it. Yeah. So we, uh, I just leased a studio space downtown. It's on eighth and Congress, which is even weird to say, (laughs) this is, this was like a dream that I just, I don't know. I never really saw coming to fruition because I just didn't see it as 
feasible. Um, but the stars aligned and it worked out and in, uh, with Claire Brody designs who, um, she's like a vintage dealer. Um, she's an interior designer moved to vintage dealer. She's on the bottom floor. And then in another room is, uh, Jenna McElroy, who's also a photographer, but she does more like personal branding and, um, families, portraits, that kind of thing. And then me. So we're all in the building together. We've literally only had the keys for like two weeks and we're all renovating the place. So it's my goal to put in like a modular kitchen because I try to rent food photography studios all the time. And there's always like just a missing element or it's like an Airbnb that wants like this crazy permit or, you know, there's just some complicated element and it's, it's difficult to find a fully functional food photography kitchen that has the offerings of a photography studio. So, so I'm going to make everything that I'm missing (laughs) and I have lots of grand lofty ideas here, but the ultimate goal is for me to start doing all of my shoots out of there and then to also rent it out to other kitchen creatives to either do shoots or film or whatever they want to do in, in that space as well. How freaking cool. Is there a name for it or is it like Ashley Amoroso's? Yeah, it's just Ashley Amoroso's studio right now. But (laughs) yeah, I love it. So we, I mean, we hope to rent it out from you one day because that's it. That really is such a pain point. I feel Mm -hmm. like it's finding the space, finding a really beautiful space where you can do everything. So Austin Brands, someday rent this spot out for your shoots <laughs> and let's work together yeah <laughs> well so this was really fun Ashley do you want to leave our listeners with how they can find you is it your Instagram or any anywhere else sure yeah my Instagram I have two there's my personal one which is Ashley Amoroso which is spelled A-S-H-L-E-I-G-H I know but I like it <laughs> and, um that's my food one. And then my personal one is Ashamore, A-S-H-A-M-O-R. Um, and then, you know, all the stuff is linked in those places. Instagram's fun. That's where I'm probably the most active. Awesome. And you're available for hire. So hit her up if you need a photographer. Come get me. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, my social circle is a CPG agency driven podcast based out of Austin, Texas. We're excited to share more behind-the-scene insights, chats with industry leaders, and whatever else we learn along the way. Follow us on Instagram at umaimarketing or check out our website, umaimarketing.com. Catch you back here soon.